3: Good morning. It is Wednesday, July 26th. It is five minutes after 11. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Thank you for joining us today. You can find him on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall. You can find me there, Casey Daniels317. All right, let's talk long shots, shall we? Some people are thinking maybe Jefferson Treve at this point is a long shot for mayor of Indianapolis. But let's go to the big national scale, and we're talking about Doug Burgum. <laughs> <laughs> who? Doug who? I, I,
2: I, look, here's the thing, Casey, and we, we talked about this yesterday. I've gone back and forth on this mm-hmm. where this is e- either the most skeezy thing in the history of politics or it's the most brilliant. And since it is in, in inside the confines of both the Republican Party rules and and apparently election law in this country, I'm going to go with brilliant because this no-name guy Mm -hmm. has wormed his way onto the debate stage, (laughs) and it is, I'm going to go with brilliant.
3: Okay, so Doug Burgum, he made the GOP debate stage after he offered $20 gift vouchers for a $1 donation. So they have to have 50,000 donors giving minimally $1. I think it's 40,000.
2: 40,000 donors Collectively Right yeah
3: He got 50 So he
2: passed the mark Well yeah If somebody's gonna give you $19 for doing nothing Mm -hmm. I mean we So Kloppenstein Stein Was in for you on Friday And Kloppenstein Stein Said he did this And they just sent you An electronic visa gift card Oh he did it Oh yeah he wanted nineteen dollars. I really think we messed missed out. I probably have canceled this now that he's made the debate stage. Right. But it's I no thought it was no longer available. Well, I thought it was going to be some big complex thing. Plus, the guy, you know, what if he turns out to be a communist or something? Mm-hmm. I don't want to be on record as having given him money. But yeah, I mean, so the way this was set up, if you're not aware, Doug Burgum is that was is he is the governor mm-hmm. of North Dakota. Yeah. And he is super a super wealthy individual, and. What he decided to do, because you have to have 40,000 individual donors, which Mike Pence, I guess, is still not done, which is amazing, to make the debate stage. And you have to poll a certain number in a verified approved poll. He did that. He got 3% of one poll. So to meet the 40% threshold Mm -hmm. or 40,000 donor threshold, he offered you a $20 visa gift card if you gave him $1. Yeah. So basically, if you do the math, you would make $19 by giving this guy a dollar, and it cost him $800,000 to, if you, 20 times 40,000 is $800,000, and he will now qualify for the Republican debate stage.
3: Talk about buying your way in. He called it the Biden Economic Relief Card. So not only was he not only was he getting the required amount of donors, he was getting a nice jab in the Biden administration. look,
2: Look, if the guy's not breaking the law. The rules are the rules. The rules are in place for a reason. If the guy is operating inside the Republican Party rules and the law of this land on election donations, then good. He's great. He's brilliant. And I've, and I've not heard one person, Casey, either his opponents or a media outlet, say he's not in compliance with the law. So we're done here. This is brilliant.
3: Well, the Republican National Committee has now said they're not sure whether they're going to take the morning consult poll into account. Oh, of course. And let him be on the debate stage.
2: Uh, of course. Right. And this is the, why I hate the Republicans. I hate the Republicans because this is what they do. When, they're, when somebody finds. A know, workaround. A, in their system, not doing anything illegal, unethical, <laughs> right. nothing. It, you know what this reminds me of? reminds me of, this was several years ago when Rickers figured out, the, the, the gas station convenience store, figured out a flaw in the law that the legislature had written that, that would allow them to legally sell cold beer. So Ricker, there was some food component to it, and Ricker's figured out if they did these three things that they could legally sell cold beer. Nothing unethical, nothing illegal, nothing immoral, nothing you couldn't look somebody in the eye and go, I am following the letter of the law. And what the response from the General Assembly, David Long and Brian Bosma, who were Speaker of the House and Pro Tem of the Senate at the time, practically, uh, you know, I was very worried that a quadricep or hamstring or patella tendon was going to be ruptured on how fast they sprinted in the nearest podium and said, we're going to do something to fix this, to stop this. Like you wrote the law, you write the law to keep the undesirables out, whether it's alcohol policy in this state or candidacy running for president guy, because he's smarter than you figures out, the the loophole in the little scheme that you had put forward and now your response is, well we're not sure we're going to honor the scheme that we had put forward because this guy figured out how to defeat the scheme that we had put forward. So
3: you're right, both Pence and Asa Hutchinson have hit the polling threshold but neither of them have made the 40,000 donor requirement at this point. You
2: know, just because I know it's angering the Republicans I might start supporting this guy now just because I know how mad it's going to make the Republicans if this guy's involved.
3: Well he's one of many who's down in that 3% range. You've got Asa uh, and you've got uh, Tim Scott and Chris Christie and uh, Nikki Haley and Doug, who, Burgum. Uh, but then you've got uh, Tim Scott and Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Boy, this field, it's just it's so big. It's hard to keep track of who is
2: where. How embarrassing, if you're Mike Pence, that Doug Burgum is doing better than you.
3: <laughs> he has the donors. Doug, I
2: mean, by every t- you know tangible standard, I mean, I guess you could dispute the polling. I don't know. But I saw a poll yesterday. We talked about it on the air where Mike Pence is at 2% mm-hmm. in some poll. Mm-hmm. Well, Bergam got three in a poll. Doug Bergam is beating Mike Pence.
3: Well, how embarrassing is it for someone like Ron DeSantis, though, who is in the low 30s and is now in the teens? So which is worse? The guy who's not going up at all ever or the guy who was up and is now plummeting down?
2: Here's what I know is that Ron DeSantis will be at the debate. Mike Pence?
3: Well, oh, we don't know. Maybe we'll see.
2: You know, I, I look. If you wanted to get me something for Christmas this year, and you said, "Rob, I'm going to do some early Christmas shopping for you."
3: I got well, the, you got you the Rush Limbaugh book. You last
2: did, year. and it was fabulous. However, <laughs> this year, something that might be even more fabulous is Mike Pence missing the first presidential debate. Well, I, I can't. I think can't think of. There are a few things I'll that would bring right. bring me more joy than Mike Pence failing to. How pathetic, Casey! You're the former vice president. And you can't get 40,000 people to give you one dollar. Right. One dollar! Yeah.
3: Four quarters, 100 pennies, 10 dimes, two half dollars, (laughs) half a two dollar bill. It is 12 minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk about what's going on in the great state of Indiana. The number of Hoosiers who lost Medicaid coverage due to the unwinding Uh of the COVID-19 protections has decreased since June. Uh, That number has gone down.
2: Okay, so uh, let's real quick, you know, our our goal here, we do think two things, Casey. We educate and we inform. And we believe if we do both of those things well, that you will ultimately come down very near the same opinions that that we have. And there is a difference between Medicare and Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Medicare is something predominantly overwhelmingly for people of a certain age, a medical insurance program for people of a certain age or senior citizens. You pay into that as a taxpayer your whole life if you look on the back of your check not that anybody looks at the back of their check anymore medicaid is a government freebie assistance program given to people who air quote qualify Mm -hmm. and it is predominantly because there are many many people who are able-bodied people who otherwise could work will choose not to work because they get the freebie insurance giveaway now What Obamacare was, was a massive Medicaid expansion. That's ultimately really what Obamacare was, was getting you off private insurance and onto government funded insurance paid for by someone else with all sorts of government restrictions and regulations. When COVID happened, what the government did was say, and this is part of when I rage about Trump. This is part of what Trump funded with the magical money printing factory, was they went to the states and said, hey, state, in exchange for shutting down, we recognize that if people lose their jobs, they may lose their insurance. So what we are going to do is offer one-time opportunities for if your state is under, and this is a big word, emergency declaration, and you do certain things that we're required. It's like every other federal government air quote giveaway. You will do what we tell you to do, and in exchange for that, we will give you air quote free money. So what Lockdown McGee did, it enabled him and Dr. Box gynecologist to put their big power pants on. And they not only instituted the emergency declaration, but kept it going for two years. Past the emergency. And he admitted by the end. I mean, it got so stupid that he finally admitted, I'm doing this for the money. At first, there was some guys about caring about your health or your well-being or whatever. And Lockdown McGee, Eric Holcomb, old high tax, participated in the largest legalized vote buying scheme probably in American history in which hundreds of thousands of Hoosiers this is the lie they told right you get, look we can shut this society down and you'll be fine and they did this through putting people on these medicaid expansions well now All the money has dried up. And so all these people who got addicted to this big, colossal, giant freebie that Eric the Red, governor of the state of Indiana, high tax, Holcomb, Lockdown McGee, whatever we're calling him today, uh, sold these people a bill of goods and said, sweet daddy government will forever take care of you. Well, the money has disappeared. So now you people are out ski on the freebie insurance.
3: Okay, so in terms of total numbers, Indiana still ranks in the top eight, but fell to 18 when it came to the rate of disenrollments. It's, uh
2: don't it's, ever don't ever believe the government don't ever believe Eric Holcomb Eric Holcomb was as honest about this as he was about saying that he didn't tell Curtis Hill to resign the guy is a pathological sociopathic liar and he used you for his own little re-election to get money scheme. The state. absolutely yeah. this was a colossal giant money grab like everything else with COVID.
3: okay so uh Tucker Carlson he took a drive with who was he with was it ice cube Yes. it was ice cube uh we've got uh <laughs> I don't know if I like this I know Tucker's trying to reach out to maybe new people but it's a new look for him he's in a car and they're riding around you it's see like, me
2: rolling
3: I I don't know I know he's trying to expand his uh, audience and maybe this is just uh, what the more personable side of him he's not sitting behind the desk anymore but here it is this is a uh, an interaction where Tucker Carlson and Ice Cube they talk about vaccines why wouldn't you take the vax
2: um you had a direct order to take it. You were told to take it. Yeah.
1: I, I'm not real good with direct orders, but on a whole nother note.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was a command. I, didn't. I mean, they told, I'm sorry, they told you. I mean, they couldn't have been clearer about yeah, it. Yeah, it was pretty clear.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, uh, did you take it? Of course not. Yeah, no. It, it wasn't ready. You know, it was six month, you know, kind of rush job. And and I didn't feel safe.
2: But they told you you were safe.
1: I know what they said. <laughs> I know what they said. And I heard them. I heard them loud and clear. But it's it's not their decision. There's no repercussions if they're wrong. But I can get all the repercussions if they're wrong.
2: Was, was it a tough call for you?
1: No, it wasn't a tough call. You know, I wanted to be an example for my kids. You know really make sure that they didn't take it either show them that i you know i wanted to stand on my convictions and that i was willing you know to lose nine million dollars and more because we've probably lost more you know since then
2: the idea is that people who stand on their convictions are heroes they're brave they have principles you know they're the people we look to for inspiration but in this case with this decision and these principles You were not hailed as a hero. No. You were attacked.
1: Why don't you get the vaccine, man? Hey, look.
2: Why does this bother you so much? Like, what are you against fun? I mean, people going out having it. Like, what, what? Why is this not sitting well with you?
3: I don't know. I just think it's it's a it's. It's Tucker in a place we've never seen him before. It just reminds me of that riding in cars with that James Corden or whatever his name is. Like I'm waiting for them to break out in a song. So
2: aesthetically, you don't like it. It's like, let's say he had done his Twitter show and he had Ice Cube mm -hmm. on as a guest on Mm -hmm. his his Tucker Twitter show. You would be okay with that.
3: I I don't know. It was just it it just seemed a little different to me. But I thought the most important thing that Ice Cube said was that there's no uh, regarding the vaccine. There's no repercussions if they're wrong. But he gets all the repercussions if they are.
2: All right. Hey, when we come back... Mm-hmm. Um- do you want to do some voicemails? Because we've got all this Biden ridiculousness that we've got to get to. I mean, he was just gibber jabbering incoherently, and I want to do that at 1130.
3: Oh, my gosh, yes. Okay. And we've got to give away those tickets to the Indiana State oh, Fair. Okay,
2: so we've got one specific voicemail we want to play. Nigel's dad who mm. lives downtown, mm-hmm. called the show, mm-hmm. and he is a really great guy. And he has a message that if you are in the Shreve campaign, yeah. you absolutely need to hear this message because we Jefferson talked about learning and listening listening. Mm -hmm. And this is a voicemail you need to hear from somebody who lives in downtown and about dealing with guns and violence downtown.
3: All right. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Hey, Rob, did you know that our national debt is now more than $32 trillion?
2: Yes, we talk about that almost every single day on this show. I was aware that's a lot of money.
3: And you know what the government's going to do next? They're going to keep spending trillions of dollars they don't have, and then they're going to turn right around and make you pay for it by raising your taxes.
2: Yeah, it's called the American Way, Casey. Hey, (laughs) it is Kendall and Casey. You know that because you're listening to us. And you know, you don't just have to sit there and take it. Discover how you could dramatically reduce your taxes in retirement with a free tax reduction analysis from Bill Demery, your retirement guy in Indy. If you have saved at least $200,000, schedule your free analysis now by calling 317-932- 9912.
3: If you take advantage of some simple tax planning strategies now, you could save a bundle in taxes when you retire. Call that number 317-932-9912. That's Bill Demery, your retirement guy, right here in Indy at 317-932-9912. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesempta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection, you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. that's the number if you'd like to call and give us a thought it's time for voicemails and somebody special today huh nigel's dad
2: yeah so nigel's dad lives downtown he has a really cool place in downtown indianapolis i've been there before he's an incredible craftsman does all sorts of his own projects and it is just a really really neat place And I wanted to play this voicemail because during our interview with Jefferson Shreve last hour, he talked about wanting to listen and learn from people. Mm -hmm. And I take him at his word on that. I take him at his word that he's open to evolve on topics and policies that he, you know, he admits, you know, I don't necessarily know a lot about a whole bunch of stuff. And Nigel's dad is just the absolute nicest guy in the world. He's just salt of the earth dude and just the sort of guy... That if he's calling to tell you something, it's not he's not Mr. Political, right? Like he's not hanging out at his local Republican Party breakfast. He's calling because he felt this was very important. Nigel told me he was going to call. And I think this is if the the Shreve people need to hear a message about gun violence, about violence in the city, about people who are experiencing violence mm-hmm. and how to deal with it. This is the guy they need to listen to. This voicemail is a little longer than what we normally play, but it's really, really good. Go ahead.
4: Hey, Robin Casey. This is the first time I've ever left a voicemail. And uh, in, in full disclosure, I should let you know that I'm Nigel's dad. The reason for the voicemail is to give you my perspective on Shreve's position to ban assault rifles and, and constitutional carry. I'm qualified at some level to have an opinion because I live a block from your studio on the circle. I have a first-hand look at what happens in the city every day." When I heard Shree might have a chance to meet Hogshead, I was so excited I reached out to see if I could host a meet-and-greet to support him. But before I could put that together, I heard about his position on assault weapons and constitutional carry. Well, um, I no longer have an interest in a meet-and-greet, and here's why. I was home the night of the BLM riots. That night, hundreds of rioters not only broke out the windows and ransacked the restaurant in my building, but broke windows and came inside the entry to my home. Mm. Fortunately, they didn't climb the stairs of the home, but if they had, p wasn't there. I'm sure my safety wasn't on Hogsett's mind. My only protection that night came from the weapons I legally choose to own. I guess Tree wants me to give some of those back. You know, also wants to limit my ability to carry a handgun. Maybe he should move to my block and see what life in India is really like before he makes policy decisions. If he was my neighbor over the last year, he'd have seen multiple murders within 100 feet of his home. Um, even a carjacking with a 70-year-old woman in the back seat steps from his front door. And uh, a grandmother with a grandchild robbed at night point next to his parked car. And those are just the highlights. Shreve's policy, I think, would take away my right to defend my home and life, and I think that idea sucks. But, hey, maybe I'm wrong. If Shreve's policy's passed, the bad guys might hand over their assault rifles and not carry handguns anymore. Then I won't need mine. Yeah, right. It's time to move. Wow.
2: I think that's a message they need to hear. And I think they've heard it from other people, but it's it, like it's easy sometimes. Well, hey, it's Jason Hammer or hey, it's Guy Relford. That's a regular dude. That's a regular non-political guy who is Nigel and his family are Hoosier lifers. And that guy's put a lot of money into his property, something that wasn't nice. And he's made it nice. And he is telling you that this issue is important to him. And that he feels as though you are directing a solution at someone who is not the problem right. rather than the people who are the problem.
3: Right. That's it exactly. And that's why people are angry about yep. this plan.
2: It is. And, you know, look, again, if you missed it, I'm sure Kev's going to have that up on the podcast. People can listen to it. the news is playing it. I know other Hammer and Nigel are playing it. Abdul's already got it posted over at Indie Politics. I... I I, I know Jefferson Tree wants a better Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I don't dispute that at all. And I think he has been convinced that the proposals he's making... Look, I, I changed on this. I thought it was pandering in the beginning. I think you come out of that interview totally convinced he believes that these proposals are going to fix violence. It's not a box-checking thing. The problem is he's not right about that, and it's not going to fix anything. And it's already illegal to buy a handgun under the age of eighteen in well, the yeah, state of Indiana. He, he
3: mentioned fourteen-year-olds have handguns in their. They're not back obtaining pocket. them legally to begin with, it, it, right? They're already breaking the
2: law. The, the Supreme Court has said you can't. It doesn't matter what the legislature does. The Supreme Court's already said you can't d- do the assault weapons ban. Nobody even knows what an assault weapon is because it, this is the problem. It may be a guy who's well-meaning, and I think he is, and I think he wants a better city and he wants a safer city. That is not the way to do it, though, and that's the problem, and that's what's pissing so many people off. You can't
3: punish law-abiding citizens to right. try and get at those that are breaking We the need law. to
2: punish the criminals. Correct. We need to punish the people who are committing the crimes. The system is broken. Ryan Mears is broken. Joe Hogg said is broken. Nigel's dad is not broken. Correct. Uh, you have something free? You're, oh, yes. you're playing the role of Eric Holcomb today. You're just giving stuff away. Giving it away. Someone else is paying
3: for it. Hey, you know what? <laughs> it's, it's something free. 317-293-9393. And if you would like a family four-pack to the Indiana State Fair, be caller number three right now. 317-293-9393. 239.
2: 217 239 93 I 93 get phone I, well, look we just want to make sure that someone has the chance to go with because kev if this 239-9393. person 93
3: 9393 if this
2: person wants to invite you you will go with them in your van to the state fair
3: sure yeah i'll give, <laughs> I'll give them a ride if they need a lift i'm there <laughs> all right 317-239-9393 caller number three right now good luck with Kendall and casey on 93 wibc Congratulations to Barbie from Trafalgar. She was our winner of the Indiana State Fair Family Four Pack. 1136, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So, Hunter's lawyers, did you hear about this? They were pranking, pranking the judge. You know, Hunter Biden oh. right now, he is in court. Yes. Uh, apparently pleading guilty. Yes. Um, don't know if the Delaware judge, Mary Ellen Norica, will. Uh, Except the plea dealer. Yeah. Uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, yesterday, his lawyers called in an attempt to remove papers from the court docket. They were saying it was unfortunate and unintentional miscommunication. And they were acting like they were Republican lawyers. <laughs> so they pretty much were pranking. Uh,
2: I, I think it's, isn't that? sort of like unethical or illegal to assume someone else's identity. Yeah,
3: well, she said, I want to hear from you guys by nine o'clock last night. Explain yourselves. Uh, apparently, she was not happy. It about is it. very
2: surprising that Hunter Biden or anyone representing him would do anything that might be untowards or underhanded yeah. what, with such an upstanding person as a client.
3: Of course. But uh, his dad, the big guy, uh, Joe Biden, he did a whole lot of bidening at his speech yesterday. Oh, my
2: gosh, Casey. This was just... I I mean, look, there's no, there's no one like Mount Rushmore moment here, but in the same speech to have this mm-hmm. many things, mm-hmm. the collective, I mean, it is staggering that this man is president of the United States and that there is at least probably 40% of the populace who this stuff happens on a daily basis and mm-hmm. they just go, no, this is fine. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's get to the coherent one. It's ridiculous, though. There's inco—we have just a smorgasbord of incoherence and <laughs> ridiculousness. Mm-hmm. And here he is, right out of the gate, he claims he's ended cancer.
0: If you could do anything at all, Joe, what would you do? I said I'd cure cancer, and it looked at me like, "Why cancer? Because no one thinks we can. That's why, and we can.
3: We end the cancer as we know it."
2: We ended cancer as we know we it. We
3: ended cancer as we know did it. Did I
2: miss did I mishear that?
3: No. I was listening to this last night and I have to be honest with you, it got me upset that he would say something like that. We've ended cancer. I I know he ran on that that he that was his moonshot. He still hasn't done it. He's claiming it, but having a father who passed away from cancer. Yeah. That's that's really really frustrating to hear.
2: Uh, it's, you mentioned this. Here is Biden. In fact, this is when he was running for president. He promised that he was going to end cancer.
0: If I'm elected president, you're going to see the single most important thing that changes in America is we're going to cure cancer.
3: Yeah, he said he was going to do it. Has not done it yet, but is claiming that he's done it.
2: Um, and you're right, Casey because there are many many people who give huge amounts of time out of their lives every single year if you're involved in things like relay for life or walk for the cure, race race for the cure, you know all these different things of people who are actually trying to fight to find an actual cure for various cancers. There are people such as yourself, many 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 people, millions of people who have had loved ones who passed away. It's Whether he meant to say it or not, or he misspoke or he didn't, it's really insulting to those
3: people. Yeah, it is really insulting. When you have seen someone that you love uh, who has uh, neuropathy in their fingertips because they can't feel anything, when they lose their sense of taste because of the chemotherapy, when they lose all of the hair on their body, and when they have to army crawl into the bathroom because they're too weak to stand anymore from the effects of cancer, and to have your president stand up there and say, we've ended it as we know it
2: yeah it's really bad
3: it's it's bad
2: okay so that was the ridiculous side um now we get to the nonsensical babbling side and in the same speech now again we're not playing this is not a montage this is not we're taking different speeches from different parts of the country or different parts of the day this is all the things we're playing now are in the same speech so in the same now uh Actually getting closer to the truth on this one, Casey. <laughs> Slightly. Uh, uh, in the same speech, Biden claims 100 people died from COVID.
0: Mm-hmm. And there's still we're still feeling the profound loss of the pandemic, as I mentioned, have over 100 people dead. That's 100 empty chairs around the kitchen table.
2: He said it twice. So it's not like he could say, oh, I misread the prompter.
3: Yeah. He did it twice. Well, he is right. We have had over 100 people who have died. But that's a really big table um, with 100 shares.
2: Uh, but again, I come back to, we're probably getting closer to 100 than the 9 billion, trillion, million, gajillion that they claimed actually right. died from COVID. He The,
3: the pendulum swung a little yes. too far the other direction. He did it twice, Casey. I know. It's not like I he know. Could, you know.
2: I meant to say a million and I said 100. He did it twice. Okay,
3: but here's the difference. In that last clip where he said uh, 100 people died from COVID, you could hear him. You could understand him. Yes. It was English. Yeah. He articulated Uh Uh-huh. He was way off, but at least you could understand it. This next one, I don't even know what he's talking about here. And the result, by some important
0: measures, there is greater parody. Not nearly a greater parody today than in the
3: past. Parody as in comedy? greater parody things are funnier now they're not funnier now
2: (laughs) don't even know what he's saying neither does he
3: i feel like we need to hear that one again
2: yeah could we would it be possible to play that again thank you
0: and the result by some important measures there is greater parody not nearly a greater parody today than in the past it's
3: greater parody today than in the past (laughs) glad he's laughing
2: all right last one mm. because we probably could have just played the whole speech and the segment uh
3: it would have been easier to play this stuff that made sense all
2: right this is the last this is the last one this is the last thing we'll subject you to here is biden claiming not to know the difference between a broken arm and a mental breakdown
0: i don't know what the difference between breaking your arm and having a mental breakdown
2: is isn't he married to a doctor that's right! I mean, she's not a medical doctor, but she is a... Still,
3: really? He she, doesn't know the difference between a broken arm and a mental breakdown? One... one
2: this we, is the same speech, Casey. It's all from the same
3: thing. Do we, do we need to explain the difference? One can be most likely fixed, cured yeah, in maybe sure. six weeks to a couple of months. Uh, well, in <laughs> fairness, maybe you
2: broke your arm while having a mental breakdown from dealing with all of Joe Biden's policies.
3: Possibly, but the mental breakdown can be a lifelong struggle and not only affects one person, it affects everyone around them.
2: Okay, when we come back, there is a big event happening in Indianapolis Mm -hmm. in September, and I'm going to ask you if you are going to go.
3: Okay, it's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesempta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection, you can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Good Morning. It is 11:46. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.
2: Why are you looking at me like that? I
3: don't know. You had a you had a look on your face. I was just looking at you. Your looks have tones. I was just looking at you. Okay. I was trying to
2: engage in a conversation here.
3: I, I thought maybe you had something on your mind. No, so, I just something you want to get off your chest? No, I just
2: I had a question for you. There oh, okay. was a big event was announced yesterday. Yeah, and you're talking is,
3: about Dave Chappelle, right? Yes,
2: he's coming to Indianapolis mm-hmm. at Gainbridge Fieldhouse, yeah. September the 13th. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, this seems like something you might actually go to because you're an events person. Yeah,
3: it normally would be something that I would be interested in going to. I think that uh, he's got an interesting sense of humor. However... However, Uh-oh. here's the however. Uh-oh. The show's not going to allow cell phones. Oh, how do they do that? And you have to put your phone in a sealed, or your smartwatch, in a sealed yonder pouch uh-huh. during the show. Wow. And it will be unlocked at the end of the show. They say that there's going to be unlocking stations in the lobby. But that, to me, seems like... I'm paying to go see you. yeah, don't restrict me.
2: That's pretty don't so, make it difficult so, for me to enjoy this. So you've gotta put this is not like uh keys in the bowl or anything like that right. okay, this is a
3: <laughs> this is a, a little pouch. uh you get it when you get there and you put your phone in it. Uh-huh. And it locks and you can't. I mean, I know it's to protect Dave Chappelle so people aren't recording it and sending it out while the show is happening. because he wants you to
2: pay to see the show.
3: Right, and he doesn't want it to be out there on social media giving it away free to other people who didn't pay. Uh However, don't restrict me and my belongings. This is not anything illegal. It doesn't put anybody else in danger. Yeah. So... Don't make it hard for me to enjoy my time. So
2: you get to keep your phone with you in this locked thing. Yeah,
3: this yonder pouch.
2: But the only thing is, you can't get it out to do anything. So unless
3: you go to an unlocking station.
2: Oh wow, that's pretty wild. So
3: I, I would think for parents who yeah, are out or bad. have a have a newborn like mm-hmm. yourself, yeah. you want to be able to be in constant contact with the babysitter. Yeah. Or, and and and.
2: Wait, wait, wait! What is this babysitter stuff, you're not. A- I just thought I would leave Bruce in charge. Is that no? Am I <laughs> well, supposed I'm to be glad doing that? you didn't
3: say take the baby with you, because <laughs> that would be, I think, inappropriate. Tickets for the show go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster. Pretty Master.
2: wild to think a comedian is popular enough to pay to play Gainbridge. Yeah. I mean, I know he is, and mm-hmm. clearly he's obvi- arguably the most famous comedian in the world, mm-hmm. but you think about playing tonight at uh, Crackers Comedy Club, or, or, you know, maybe somebody who might, like, I saw Jerry Seinfeld years ago at the Marat, mm-hmm. but I don't think even Jerry Seinfeld could play Gainbridge Fieldhouse. That's, I mean, you're talking 15,000, 16,000 people for a comedian. That's pretty amazing.
3: I don't know. I think Jerry Seinfeld could pack that. I've seen him as well. Um ah but I think you could.
2: Can I have a hot take here for a second since it's half my show? Please. Jerry Seinfeld is brutally unfunny.
3: You think so? The people. Are, you love his show though. His I, TV show. The
2: reason the show is great is the people around the mm-hmm. right First of all, the writing was phenomenal mm-hmm. and the characters around him were great. Jerry Seinfeld is not funny at all. You don't all.
3: like observational comedy. I yeah. honestly think Seinfeld was great, largely because of uh, Larry David.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, look, the writing's phenomenal. Seinfeld is also a horrific actor. He's laughing during the whole show. Anytime there's anything, he's he is working very hard mm-hmm. to not cut into laughter during the scenes. It's the whole show, nine years or whatever it was. Yes, I went to his, this was years ago. I was in college, and I went, and I just thought, this is, this is awful.
3: Mm-hmm. I saw him right after 9-11. He performed in South Bend oh. like two days, two, three days right after 9-11. Yeah. And it was actually more moving for a, a comedy show. I mean, he came out and he said some patriotic yeah. things and then he went into his routine. Uh, but it was it was interesting to see a comedian right after a national tragedy like 9-11.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Big day today, Casey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mick Jagger is 80 years old.
3: I thought you were going to say big day today because Jefferson Tree was on the show. But no, Mick Jagger is 80, huh?
2: 80 years old. Do you
3: think he is sick of singing Satisfaction? Like, how many times in that guy's life has he sung that hit?
2: Well, Satisfaction usually is when you doing the all-time great rock songs. It's usually in the top five. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. I think Rolling Stone had a list years ago where it was number one. It's usually right up there with, like, a Rolling Stone, et cetera. You're right. He has probably played that song <laughs> no fewer than in in concert five thousand times. yeah I mean, you think about how often they've toured, how long they've been touring. it's probably not a stretch to say he has played that song five thousand times. Have you ever seen the Rolling Stones in person? No I saw them at the track yeah they it was a very incredible event. They played the Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the Fourth of July. It is one of the few times in my entire life I've ever paid. Market price for anything, and you
3: waited in line forever. Oh didn't my you? gosh!
2: So my buddy, uh, who is very connected in the business community, this is before I totally alienated myself from everyone in the business community, uh, was able to get. They do the the way they do the, They did at least at this event. There was like sections. There was a gold section, and mm-hmm. then there was what you know the, the closer you get. He had access, and it was very 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 very. It was impossible to get them. He got the one, and I paid face value for it. He was very nice and sold it to me at face value, which was $300. Wow. And I agonized over that. I bet you did. For days. Was it
3: worth it? Oh,
2: it was totally worth yeah. it. It was well, totally worth it. Was that
3: like 2015? Yes, two thousand. Yes,
2: 2000, July 4th, yeah. 2015. Mm-hmm. And there are two two things that I remember from that show that stand out to me. Number one, it was standing room only in this gold section. So if you left... You lost your spot unless you had somebody who could hold the spot for you. We got there at, I don't know, two in the afternoon and it didn't, the concert didn't start till nine and I was there by myself. And so it was like (laughs) standing in the sun for seven hours. That's a really long time. Oh my gosh, it was brutal. I could never do it now. I was in much better shape back then. I could never do that now the other thing that i remember is when you first got there because there's only like they let like whatever it was a hundred people down in this gold level area whatever it was and so there's not that many people there in the beginning but as you got closer to the concert more and more people obviously start filing in and there's a moment they probably took the stage at like nine fifteen. 15 was supposed to start at 9 it's nine fifteen, nine twenty, whatever mm-hmm. and you know they're about to take the stage and i looked back and Casey was a sea of humanity. Yeah, the Indianapolis Motor Speed. There had to be sixty thousand huh. people at this concert. Yeah, and you, you know, it just goes all the way back. And I look, and people just start keep boxing in. And I looked to the guy next to me, who I didn't know. And it's, it's funny now, but it was very real at the time. I said. There's only one place left for us to go. and that is <laughs> That's up on all the stage. And if you know the track record of the Rolling Stones and concerts and, you know, things they've been a part of and other famous bands have been a part of, it's a very scary feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a very – now, thankfully, once the concert started, that stopped. But that was a super claustrophobic, scary feeling to know there is nowhere left for you to go but up on that stage. And – Wow! Yikes!
3: You were feeling that people in the back were going to be pushing forward yes. to get closer and closer, yes. and you were going to get crushed.
2: Wasn't it the Was it the Who that had the con- the concert in in Was it in Cincinnati? Is that right? Yeah. Where that and it was just like, oh my gosh, this is the scariest. You
3: thought it was going to happen to you.
2: Here's the thing I'll say about a Mick, watching Mick Jagger. I've never seen anybody like him perform on stage, and what I mean by that is, it wasn't so much that he was a great live performer. It was. I am convinced the guy was in a trance the entire time because I was as close at one point as me and you are, mm-hmm. and it was like he was just staring into the abyss, yeah, and doing the maneuvers mm-hmm. and the dancing and the Mick Jagger stuff, and it was like, are you, are you with us? Hey, are you, are you, okay? you under hypnosis?
3: Are you all right? No, he was, he was under something else.
2: <laughs> Man, that dude was like seventy one at the time, and it was great. He was substance? awesome.
3: Substance? I don't know. Okay. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. Good job today. And thank you, Jack, who has been training on the board as well. And thank you for listening. We're going to count on you to be back here tomorrow. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 W I B C.